0: Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we explore the latest in blockchain technology and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna.
1: And me, Frederick. In this episode, we sit down with Lukasz from Golan and chai Che from Texas A&M to talk about trusted execution environments and the Graphene project. Before we start, we want to say thank you to this week's sponsor, Apograph. AppGraph is a project that's built an extensive collection of open access research papers on cryptography, distributed computing systems, and blockchain. The team behind AppGraph see the high price put on the world's best research as a hindrance to scientific progress, and so their platform is designed to break down barriers, reward researchers, and promote open science. They start by offering unique content from technical conferences and course material from leading universities. Through an integration with their ORCID registry, contributors can develop and establish a professional profile based on their entire body of work on a single platform. If you're a researcher who would be interested in such a system, find out more at welcome.apograph.io or check out the link in our show notes to a curated list of cryptocurrency course materials. Thanks again to Apograph. And now our episode with the guys behind Graphene.
0: So today we're going to have a conversation about TEEs. This has come up, I think, a couple times on the podcast, but we've never really delved into it. And today we have two guests who can really help us do that. First, we have Lukasz, who is the R&D lead at Gollum. And we also have Chai Chai, who's an assistant professor at Texas A&M University and was the original researcher and author of The Graphene Paper, which is something we're going to talk about as well. Hi, guys. Hi, hello. Hey. And of course, we have Frederick. Hello. I think, I mean, that was a very brief intro. I think it would be really great to hear a little bit more about what you guys are up to, what you're working on, and maybe a little bit about your background. Lukash, why don't we start with you?
2: I'm, I'm leader of uh, R&D team in Golem and also I am a product owner of a graphene team in, uh, in Golem also. My priority interest uh, is uh, research and, and uh, TEs and moving Golem into the innovative areas like TEs, which is, which is, I think, a uh, very great and in future, it will be a very popular area for for many users. I'm a mathematician, a PhD. My interest is very very theoretical. But uh, uh, as a professional job, I'm a, I'm a developer for many, too many years. <laughs> uh, in Golem, we are starting to um, to create a decentralized marketplace when uh, people can uh, share their inspired, uh power to others and uh, the other people can access the external power, uh, source of computational power in order to empower their application. Cool.
0: I think in as we continue our conversation, we're going to find out a little bit more why the work of Gollum sort of led you to experimenting with TEs and wanting to work on it. But I think first we should hear a little bit from uh, Chai Chai. Can you quickly tell us who you are and how you got into this space?
3: Right now, I'm a, a system professor in Texas A&M University. I just started teaching uh, this year. I, I've been doing research in mostly an operating system area and security area. So one habit of mine is basically I like to dig really deep into the system. So if I look at application and then I I could have solved the problem by going into deeper and deeper. So that's why I really find things like hardware, uh, especially a security hardware like TEE, really fascinating because it was sort of solving the problem for the fundamentals, right? And so my history with uh, TEE is uh, I, so I we started working on a Graphing project and Graphing turned out to be a really good fit with TEE. So at the time there is sort of a conversation like, hey, we should start doing using for TEE. And Intel was really interested this technology and so i said okay why not why don't i just go there and do an internship and it turned out that's that's where all of everything started
1: so i think before we dig any deeper into this episode we should start out by defining what a tee actually is so maybe first and foremost what does tee stand for
3: i think tee in general would stand for trusted execution
1: environment it's usually
3: describing a hardware that's designed for bootstrapping your your trust. So when you put an application on a platform, you don't actually trust the platform. You want something to help you start with that trust, and that is the hardware. And it actually has a very long history. It starts with things like uh, a trust processing model, TPM, and, and it also starts with other kind of environment. For example, Arm has their things called Trust Zone, which is basically an environment that you isolate your application Away from other application and also uh, trust operating system. Basically, the whole technology has grown until we hit the point where we have things like we're to not trust anything beside your application and your hardware, which is the birth bo- the birth of SGX. And there's also a few technologies coming out after SGX, including ARM, um, AMD. They all have their own version of it. There's also the open source version from. Uh, so for risk five right now, and basically this is a trend that's going on.
1: What would the use case be for, like you mentioned, these early projects like TPMs? Like, what were they used for, and and what are the use cases that have like demanded that this scales up?
3: Uh, so I, usually I I would separate into two two domain. Uh, one is on the desktop or on a personal computer, or what we say in the client, end, right? Usually you want to start some execution that's really sensitive. For example, uh, one very common example is the the digital rights management. Let's say you have some kind of video that is copyrighted. You want to ship it to user's machine, client's machine. You want to encrypt it and send it there. You have this key that you want to protect. Then you can use these uh, either TPMs or SGX to make sure uh, this enclave was shifted to a platform that is secure that would not leak your secret.
0: That's an amazing example. You just mentioned SGX a lot. We haven't really defined that. We've defined TEEs. So SGX, that's a type of TEE?
3: So SGX is, is, is definitely one type of TEE. It's basically introducing a technology what we call hardware enclave. So the idea of enclave is, if you heard this word enclave, is basically, usually we say a cultural enclave is, a, is an area where people live in and they were isolated from the rest of the world. So the same thing as hardware enclave is you run some program and you pr- on your computer, and that was completely isolated from the rest of the computer. So you don't have to worry about operating system being compromised or other I-O devices being un- It's actually very strong guarantees of, of security. So SGX is a step for software guard extension. is an extension that comes out a uh, recent intel cpu if you have like i5 i7 cpu it's likely you already have it you, you should check it out you probably have it and if you turn it on you can use this technology to protect your application
0: and this is an intel this comes out of the intel research group where
3: does it come out of within intel it actually has a very long history internally i believe they have developed this thing for 10 years already so they have some very long time to make sure this is good is correct it's secure. And they put it out there. And this is now in the, in the product line right now. You can actually get them. It's off the shelf. There's still some CPU doesn't have it yet. For example, the i5 I'm sorry, the E5, the more server-class CPU doesn't have it yet. They probably will have it in the future.
1: I think one uh te or or particularly the term Enclave is something most people have heard about in the context of Apple iPhones. So okay. iPhones all have enclaves or the, the newer models. And they use them to store like fingerprints and your face ID, sensory data, and all that kind of stuff. So it isn't reachable from the rest of the operating system. You can't install an app that steals your fingerprints, stuff like this. But that's very different. Like they have a specific chip that is this enclave and it's not connected to the CPU. Uh, how does that compare? Like is Intel just kind of mashing these two things together or is there some benefit like additional benefit to, to having the Enclave connected to the CPU?
2: I think we clarify that the uh, Enclave as a software and SGX and TE rather refers to hardware. Difference is tremendous, right? Because such chips like in, in uh, Apple uh, gives you only one uh, functionality. Enclaves as a software, as a part of application that can be run on your so, uh, computer gives you opportunity to write your custom applications. The benefits are absolutely unlimited. I mean, almost everything you can do with your own application, the values that this application brings to your customers can be uh, achieved also with Enclaves and with SGX. Right? So this, this, the difference is uh, it's like a two different worlds. It's a specific purpose.
3: Yeah, so, so I, I partially do agree with uh, Lucas about, you know, there is definitely different use cases and different ways of application interfaces, how do you do programming them. I think there's actually a deeper uh, security argument in terms of, do you have everything inside one processor? one CPU, or you have these coprocessor models, like you have a a separate chip or separate processor, for example, in the ARM trust cell model, they actually have another CPU was handling it. And that was deeply related with the kind of problem where you want a better performance, you want to have regular program, like, like the program you run every day to run in this enclave, or you want to basically spend the effort of reprogramming everything and have everything just running on this little chip. And that is, there is this argument there for the trade-off between security and usability. From what I understand,
0: the, like, would you still call what is on Apple, on these Apple phones, is it still an enclave? Is that still a TEE or is that something else? That's a TEE.
3: It will be a TE, yes.
0: But it's like a simple one, I guess. It's like it has one purpose or it's like only... Contr- special purpose one, yeah. That's right. And That's right. the SGX, the Intel's SGX, from what I understand, is you can actually run some of your application within it? Or would you run all of your application within this?
3: Well, that is actually a really interesting question. Uh, also, kind of debate that we always go in with right now in the academy domain is, do you want to take the whole application in there or you want to just... Uh, rewrite part of your application, or you want to partition one of your application. That depends on what is your security model. Do you want to reduce your uh, risk of your program being being attacked? Because things like TE, they are not silver bullet. They don't solve all the problems, right? It's, if you have a vulner- vulnerable software, you could still mm. have problems, security issues, right? So you do want to consider which one you want to trust, and you want which part of you want to put into this TE environment.
0: What does it actually protect against? Like is the idea here that if you had a bug or something running on your CPU that was malicious, it couldn't affect that? Is it just to save it from other things that CPUs can do?
3: So, it usually was protected against one very strong attacker as the host attacker. So, imagine your operating system is compromised or even worse, your BIOS is compromised or even the whole hardware is compromised. Like as I am the administrator, I have ss to the machine physically, and I can change a lot of things. For example, if we talk really extremely, there are attacks like, for example, a roll hammer attack or something like I can steal data directly from the IO buses or your memory buses. SGXs, these kind of things could actually protect you from, from all these kinds of attacks, potentially, because they, they encrypt everything, encrypt data when they're sending out of the CPU.
0: As a host, can I even access my own SGX? Is it sort of like it, it even protects it from me?
3: <laughs> You're not supposed to. You're supposed to see just encrypted data on DRAM, and you are not supposed to see anything out of it.
2: To answer this question, to solve this, this problem, I think we need to better understand what SGX gives to the users. Uh, what is the value of TEs in general? And uh, at the beginning, church uh, give a very good example. I-, I will give another example. Consider this: in more, in the most countries, the law prohibits to send sensitive uh, medical data to cloud providers and store this uh, data on clouds and uh, make any computations, uh, transformation, modifications of this data in external. Cloud. This is made for uh, very concrete reasons. Imagine this, that cloud providers enables SGX on their machines. And what uh, some company or uh, institute, state institute do, is take this medical data, encrypt it, and send it to the cloud provider, to the cloud, and store it in the cloud in the encrypted form. The cloud provider, any administrator cannot access this data, but the, this institute or uh, any company can perform any computation or modifi- modification uh, remotely on this data, right? So who is bene- uh, who benefits from this solution? The cloud provider does not have any direct benefits from this. The end users who are accessing services provided by cloud are benefitors, right? The direct benefitor does not use SGX directly in this use case particle, but he is using external SGX. So what is uh, in the in the first step benefit for end user? It is uh, ability to access external power, computational power and storage Without losing uh, confidentiality and privacy, right? And that is that is the, the benefits. So if Anna is asking, uh, what, what do I have when I enable SGX on my computer? It's it's pretty complicated, because in this uh, use case that I have uh, described, the the is external user right is
0: the sgx just the place where the encryption happens
2: yeah i think that should be quite obvious That uh, in contradiction to this chip installed on uh, apple maybe i'm wrong i don't know details uh, the sgx uh, has maybe not direct ab- ability but in some form it has ability to connect to external users. So it gives uh, lots of uh, possibilities, opportunities. Uh, it enables lots of use cases. And this is this is the power of TEs uh, and SGX.
1: I want to dig into one final question, just on kind of clarifying how SGX or, or any other TE actually works. And so you already mentioned there's sort of, you have encrypted data on RAM, on disk, whatever, send this to the TE and you get some in- encrypted data back out. But for this to be trusted, there also has to be some proof or some verification that this computation has been done correctly. What does that output look like? What does, does the proof look like that comes out of this thing?
2: Your question is, is a very good question. Uh, it's a fundamental question. And a uh, lot of people uh, ask this question. The, this SGX chips uh, has sealed private keys inside hardware and they are used to secure communication with this SGX. The most difficult step is how can external user, the end user, or even a co-located application that is going to uh, employ enclaves, know that it is uh, speaking with uh, an enclave. How can it know it is speaking with trusted component? It boils down to uh, attestation process. At the moment, it is solved uh, this way that Intel provides services that can confirm that you are speaking with hardware, real uh, SGX. It is it is very high-level uh, view, not go- getting into the details.
1: So is it sort of like a, almost like a certificate authority thing that Intel knows what keys it has on its processors and, and can... Like you have to reach out to Intel to say that this, like they attest to the correct results or how does this work?
3: So I'll extend on what Lucas was saying. You know, it's, it really, first of all, is really up to implementations. You know, SGXs or other TE will have different implementation, but it eventually all boiled down is uh, these platforms need to give you identity. you need to prove that this is a real hardware. This is a good hardware. This is not a hardware that was, simulated or emulated by the attackers, right? That is fundamentally you want to prevent, right? And so for example, for Intel, what they do is they have this master key or master secret was placed into, inside your CPU. And because they have, have the hold of all these secrets, they can use that to verify that your hardware is correct. Some other platform might use different things they want to do, for example, TPM might use more close to what the certificate system you've been using. But uh, mostly, they are using these crypto techniques, like the the public key infrastructures and those kind of things to make sure your your platform is secure.
0: But by by this definition, what you just said, it sounds like you have to really trust Intel. Absolutely. Like, are they publishing anything? Are they are they sharing any of this publicly, where you can actually verify it yourself, or is it like a trade secret?
3: They they used to be that you do have to ask Intel all the time, uh, to to verify everything. Recently, they have become more open on this. So they have do something called DCAP, which is allow vendors, for example, let's say you have a cloud vendors, you could actually build your own attestation server to verify the secrets on their own. So you don't have to go always go back to Intel and do all these things, right? They, they do sort of moving. Oh, unfortunately, it's, it they move really slowly, but they do sort of move forward instead of making it more public and more open.
0: Because I think, yeah, if that isn't shared, I mean, at least our community, we always hear this. It's like the reason we prefer open source is you can check it, you can see what it is, you can run it yourself, you can make sure that it's running correctly. When you're dealing with sort of a black box, like, trust us, we have all the keys, we keep them really safe. I promise. It's hard. (laughs) I don't know, and I guess this is their response in a way their their attempt to like start opening it up. You sort of just mentioned there that you work it's like their work with vendors or their work with other i guess software setups where it's it's they're not it's not like an individual would interact with an s g x ever, but like there are teams or groups that want to use these setups for some purpose and they work with intel i guess to do it so they have this back and forth they have this ability to do an attestation that's right is this where this this is kind of where graphene comes into right in this space
3: oh yeah that's right so i uh, remember i mentioned about the desktop usage so using sgxs on like a client's machine or user's machine right there's another model or another use cases is basically using that means the cloud and the idea of this is basically you have some application you want to a cloud do you want to trust the whole cloud completely or just want to trust one machine or one CPU inside the cloud? And so if you can basically reduce the trust of inside the cloud, that would be much better. So there's a lot of cloud vendors are really interested in this direction. Probably not Amazon. I haven't heard Amazon do anything about it, but like for example, Microsoft address or IBM... Or Alibaba Cloud, these cloud vendors are starting to get into building their own. Also, Google has their own version of TE as well. I have to say that uh, they were actually basically putting together these technology and said, "Okay, I, we want to have this kind of hardware uncle environment to protect your applications, right?" And so that uh, that just sort of had a, had kind of give a space of framework like Graphene, because well, to be honest, users are a lot of times they're lazy, right? They want, don't want to port application into this this platform. And what the role of graphing is basically very simple. You have a application running outside Enclave. You can use this framework to move inside Enclave and run it as it is. And we are basically solving this, trying to solve this security problem and compatibility problem for application.
0: What was it like before? Like what maybe describe a little bit like what is the setup now or before now? Um, and how does this change? Because like it sounds like, are you sort of an enabler? You're sort of like
3: allowing that movement easier? Yeah. So, the idea of SGX, it used to be the cases where you have to reprogram everything, right? You Well, not necessarily reprogram every line of code, but you do have to take apart a part of code. You have to rethink about the security problem because you have to build the interface between enclave and non enclave code. And you basically have to rebuild basically take your system and say, all right, I'm going to take this part, secure secure it, and put it inside Unclick, right? So there is this difficulty of implementing any SGX program. I can give you a really good example. In Berkeley, I've got like undergrad students come to me and complain to me saying, oh, I'm, we're trying to get SGX working, but it's take us like a month or something just to figure out how to do this thing. It's really complicated. And partially graphing is sort of saying, no, you don't have to do these things. We do it for you, but you just take a program and we got to move it into an Enclave. And also we want to make sure it's secure. And that's actually a very important thing. If you are not secure, it's not compatible at all.
0: Why was Gollum, like what was Gollum's role in this? Like, Go- So Gollum, as you described before, you guys want to do kind of computation and uh, actually from what I've always understood, Golem doing is sort of like marketplace for off-chain computation. So, what's what's the relationship here?
2: It is a very direct uh, relation to uh, graphene and to uh, SGX and TEs in general, uh, because it is for many users, for many uh, potential customers of Golem network, who will be willing to use this network as power consumers, they are not willing to share the data. Input or output data, like a large video company, a movie company, uh, wouldn't like to to share the a new movie any any fragments, any pieces of this new movie to anyone because it is very valuable. So we recognize that this it is a very huge market for confidential uh, computations, and uh, it was very natural for us. To think about uh, employing SGX, but as Chacha said, it's very challenging to write from the scratch a new SGX application or an entire, maybe SGX application is not a very very good phrase, but uh, to employ SGX in your application, right? Uh, We needed a tool to grab an application and run it uh, and run it in uh, SGX, just just like that and uh it's uh it turned out that the uh, graphene is the way we should uh, go, so we get involved in this and uh, since then we uh, we are uh, very happily cooperating with Chach and Don and intel uh, improving the the graphene and getting back to the the, the beginning uh, it is the answer for the confidentiality call and a huge step towards very demanding customers i
1: have Two questions, actually. One is uh, related to Graphene, the other is kind of going back a little bit to TEs. But first on the Graphene thing, are you explicitly trying to target more than SGX or is it like an SGX specific solution?
3: So I would say, you know, in general, we always trying to target more platforms. So fundamentally, Graphene is supposed to be a very thin layer that's trying to solve compatibility problem and secure isolation problem or application on as many platforms as possible. For example, a lot of time, you run into problem, what if I want to run a Linux application on Windows, or Windows application on Linux? And you have this interface compatibility problem, and the way to solve it, it, usually is you build a very thin layer to translate these interfaces from one to another. And graphing is supposed to be this ultimate interface or translator, uh, a translation layer that reconciles everything. But of course, it hasn't. It's it's not there yet. But our goal is basically make it easy to port to everything. And SGX has always been our one of our gold golden example because it was really how do I put it exotic. It's not the same as anything other platform you've ever seen. And mainly because now you take these interfaces and you flip the security model upside down. You used to trust operating system. Now you don't trust it anymore. How do you solve? How do you even use the system API? How do you open a file? How do you even allocate okay some memory? That becomes a very big issue, and you need to make sure all these interfaces are secure. And so that's why we kind of believe if you can solve the problem with SGXs, you probably will solve the problem of a lot of other platforms as well. So we're basically using another example of a push-hour research goal, and who knows? Maybe eventually we, would, we do need a layer to solve a new hardware. You know, there's always going to be new hardware platform that are coming out, a new operating system platform coming out. What if we actually need something to run some new, some old application we wanted? Well, Graphene will, will come to rescue and help you solve this problem.
1: Did uh, Golem look at other platforms before deciding, or did you just know, like, SGX is the furthest along? This is what we what we want to shoot for from the get-go. Uh,
2: As Chacha uh, said, I agree with him that uh, it will be great to see some competitions. In this, it is very healthy for everyone. <laughs> As usual, competition is very healthy. And uh, I think uh, the graphene is able to adopt uh, different solutions for different TEs. And this is the way how it should be. But there is uh, another view of this because uh, we do not have at the hand ready to use other solutions for TEs other than SGX. I and mean, uh, there are, there are some but not with the scale. And at the moment, the scale matters, right? So uh, it is absolutely natural that uh, our interest is in uh, Intel's uh, SGX, and uh, we are uh, thinking very, very uh, strong about it. Uh, but getting back to the beginning, it would be nice, and I hope it will happen, that our TES will appear and will be
3: for our use. And and the, the graph, I think, will be ready to adopt it. As far as I you know, there are definitely a lot of TE was coming out for sure. So a- ARM has, uh, sorry, AMD has their own version. It's called it's called SEV. ARM, I believe, they are they are probably. I'm not sure whether it's on market yet, but they already they're building this thing called Crypto Island, which is basically a trust zone plus hardware encrypting facility that help you s- uh, solve this kind of problem. And so they they're all doing this kind of thing. One thing I'll say is I do think they will, they' become cautious right now because they want to make sure they're doing things exactly right, to not have vulnerability <laughs> as we can see there's there weren't a lot of vulnerability uh on this kind of platform, and it usually make people doubt the security of this platform a little bit and that's why they're being being careful about right now, so we will see, but it's gonna probably gonna take a while
1: we want to get back to that topic a little bit but before we do, I wanted to, to ask a, a, a sort of general question on TEs that I it popped into my head as you were talking about use cases. Let's say you have this use case where you're running in the cloud, you want to upload some data, transfer that to a TE, decrypt it, run your computation, and then encrypt it again and get it back out. So if I'm decrypting inside the SGX, I have to supply my decryption key to the SGX environment. And how do I do that if if I don't have direct access to the machine, how do I transfer that over the wire? Like how does it go through Amazon's uh, center or whoever's center and getting to the SGX without revealing my key?
2: It is solved in a different direction, opposite direction. Uh, The SGX is generating the pair uh, of keys, uh, asymmetric uh, keys. To communicate and it is very easy uh, to give you to the end user the public key so any any data that you encrypt with this public key can be only deciphered by uh, by this enclave all uh, you need to know is that this public key from comes from real uh, real SGX right uh, this is the part of actually attestation process Right. right. Yeah. And and where and where is an, uh, at, Intel's attestation service involved in this?
1: Uh, I see. So that makes sense. So essentially, I ask the uh, SGX environment, "Hey, please generate me a key pair." You get the public key back with along with an attestation from Intel saying, "Yes, this is a key actually generated by an SGX environment." I encrypt my data with that public key, upload it, and then. It runs through the SGX. How do I decrypt it when I get it back?
2: It is it is much, 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 much more complicated than this. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) It's not so easy. (laughs) Uh, But okay, okay. Uh, I I will try uh, this way. First thing that we can do after receiving the public key, communication key to, to the enclave, Uh, All I do, I am generating uh, a symmetric key for a phishing uh, encryption. I encrypt this symmetric key and encrypt with public key, communication public key generated by an enclave. And I send this encrypted key to the enclave. Only enclave is able to decrypt it. So at the end, I and the enclave holds the symmetric key that is used for a further uh, communication and in the next steps in the uh, following communication this semantic is used for communication Mm. right and and it is it is very simplified description of
1: the whole process but instead of yeah what you're saying is instead of just me Mm -hmm. encrypting the data with a key i got i encrypt the data and the key that i want to decrypt with and send all of that over. And then when I get it all back, I can I still have that key, and so I can decrypt it because the SGX encrypted it with that key that I gave it. That makes sense. Yes. Thank you.
3: Uh, this process is actually called secure pro- provisioning. And we usually said DKTE is pretty much useless if you don't do provisioning, because you do need to move some secret data from the remote machine to your local machine to process them. Otherwise, it doesn't really make sense to run any kind of security. And yeah. so, of course, these kind of provisioning, the shipping data needs to be on a secure channel. And what Lucas was just describing is basically how they build a security channel. It's actually not too much different from things like HTTPS that you build like a TLS or SSL. Connection, it's the same thing. It's said that you do the key exchange, you do, you use either a secret key or a private key to encrypt your data, and then you send it the other way. It's pretty much that. Yeah.
0: Is there any, in that sort of encryption, de encryption, like what you're just describing, are there any other tools that are being used? Maybe tools we've already mentioned, things like full, fully homomorphic encryption or MPCs, or like, is there anything else?
3: Right. That's an interesting question. So, uh, from the research perspective, there's a lot of people actually sort of saying, you know, they are trying to use hard uncle to replace uh, homomorphic encryptions or replace multi-party computing. The idea is basically because you have this environment that everybody could all trust, you don't have to do these okay. step like extra crypto step to make sure your data is secure. You can just move the data to the platform, decrypt it, and process them. So actually, make a lot of things a lot easier. Make these things. Well, it's actually not as secure of these things, of course, but it sort of replaces it and make it much faster, much more efficient.
0: That actually leads to another question, which is exactly that. Like TEEs are often compared to fully homomorphic encryption or even like ZK-SNARK kind of check-in points. And I've I've actually, I remember in an episode we did on MPCs, we mentioned this and TEEs seem so different and yet they're often lumped together. When we put the question out, I put a question out on Twitter, sort of about TEEs, and I definitely got some feedback from people. Maybe half of them were like, oh, this is an interesting, cool thing. And then half of them were like, you cannot trust them. Why would you even talk about it? (laughs) So, how do they hold up to the FHE MPC or like the ZK Snark paradigm?
3: Yeah. I mean, I I would like to hear if if there's other different perspective on the industry for sure. But so, from the Academy perspective, We usually said there's two different approach, right? There were the math mathematical approach. <laughs> Basically, you solve everything, solve the security problem by math, like using something that you can prove, you can verify in the algorithm level, and you can look at for example, hip, uh, uh, like MPC, and you can verify, oh, this is secure. Another way is implement is secure by implementation, right? You have or and by engineering, you have a hardware. Or some kind of operating system, hypervisor label, whatever you do, and you trust the implementation of that, and that bootstrap your security. And I would say it's not really about which one is more secure, it's more like they have different challenges. Like, so you're secured by crypto, you got the challenges of you know, efficiency and whether they might be attacked at the algorithm level. When you look at CPU, what SGX is, they have uh hardware attack, software attack, these kind of things where you have to solve with another level. And so it's all about, you know, how would you do you want to choose? Do you want to pick? What what do you trust? Like like I said, fundamentally, do you want to trust a uh, CPU vendor doing their job properly and design mm. this hardware secure? And
0: so that's sort of the trade-off, right? It's sort of like, do you trust the group who've, who have created
3: the hardware to not have a backdoor or do you trust the math that's exactly the kind of uh the secure charging real software right now and it's actually not completely solved as you can see <laughs> and so or we'll look into these kind of problems and see
1: yeah you mentioned that there has been vulner- vulnerabilities discovered in stx what kind of vulnerabilities are those and How how have they been patched? How are they like? How does the platform recover from those?
3: So I think first of all, there's always the software level uh, vulnerability, and these are not new, right? It's the same kind of vulnerability you you see in like server or desktop application, for example, like you know, breathing bugs, you know, in open so you know the kind of same thing that happens in Uncle as well, and especially you have uh, very strong attackers who have control of your operating system. On the other hand. Uh, at a hardware level, we also see things like side channel problems, where essentially uh, you're sharing your CPU core with other processes or other other uh, operating system. Now they can see a lot of information being leaked through your shared resources. And based on that, well, now we also have hardware vulnerability that based on either uh, speculated executions or uh, memory protection bypassing things like Spectre and Meltdown bugs. There's actually one that come out last year, what we call foreshadow bugs. is basically a meltdown kind of type, type of vulnerability that can apply to SGX. And this is kind of a big, big thing. So when you see this thing, they, they potentially could leak these uh, master secrets that are being generated by Intel CPU that verify your platform. And as you can see, if you leak that secret, then you're gone. Your security is basically ruined. And so you do have to either solve this problem or patch your hardware. To solve this problem and that is that is unfortunately the reality of this technology
1: yeah i mean so with a lot of the the normal intel bugs that we've heard about there are various fixes of like compile it with uh this flag to turn off that feature or like the latest one i think they say turn off hyper threading and you don't have this problem which is i mean yeah you don't have much choice but hopefully they fix that in the next generation then um, you can sort of work around it, even if you have to wait for the next generation CPUs to have it actually fixed. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about, like what could go wrong, both on a social level, like what happens if Intel leaks data on their end so that anyone can attest to anything, or what happens on the hardware level. Something I'm super curious about is like, what what how tamper-proof are TEEs? Because you, you have these like super involved attacks being described by people when you have hardware access like you dump your whole computer in liquid nitrogen (laughs) and then you you freeze the ram and then you can read off the ram you can like detach it from your computer read off what the ram had post fact like circumvent all of these like shutdown barrier tricks Really? You have cool, exotic (laughs) attacks like that. Like, what happens with those kinds of attacks in a TE environment? What if I, like, delid my CPU and look at it with, you know electron scanning microscope or whatever (laughs) exactly
3: so i think in general the the assumption is it's relatively difficult is i wouldn't say completely impossible but it's almost close to impossible that you could open a cpu and look into it because everything is at the scale of nanometers and you pretty much couldn't really see anything and that is also kind of moving the direction of dram you know you, you actually couldn't really open dram and look into it if it has been really, is down to nanometer level. But I've, I've heard different story as well. Like some people could say some CPU potentially could drill a hole on it and look into it. Probably not these Intel CPU, but more like the other kind of CPU could actually do that. But in general, I believe is hoping the CPU packages is really secure and, and cannot be tampered with. But you're right. This is an interesting question then, whether the technology I, I believe is, even if people could do that, it's probably really expensive. And so it's kind of questioning yeah. of whether it's worth it to actually do that.
0: That's kind of amazing, that idea. And so I think one of the critiques seems to be, like you just described, the sort of human factor, the social factor. But I guess the big question is, like, are any of the other paradigms ready? Like, if... If math, if crypto, like cryptography and cryptographic concepts can do the same thing, or can you know securely do the same thing, why would you even use a TE? Why would you even use SGX? And I, I'm curious what you guys think because I'm sure you're coming into contact with that. Like, do you feel like TEs and SGX is the thing you do right now because because the math isn't there, because the cryptographic stuff isn't there? This makes sense today, or is this like actually this is going to be? Something that will be a long standing solution and is useful for specific use cases, whereas the other stuff could be useful for something else.
2: At the moment, for today, I, I got in touch with at the, the, the Snark uh, uh, recently and and I have some uh, thoughts about it. I listened to their uh, solution, to their approach. Uh, using uh, zero-knowledge proofs, and I think it's a very great approach. It's a uh, lot of maths. You don't have to trust anyone. It's tremendous. Great. And I think it is a very good approach when you have a very little data that are very sensitive, like transactions. It's a tiny data with a big value. And then you can use uh, zero node proofs for, for, for such a, for such a data. From my point of view, when I have uh, gigabytes of data to consume, to make computation and to output gigabytes of data, using zero node proof as it is today is no go for it. So performance is a key indicator for, for me, thinking as a, as a golem, right? Uh, because uh, at the end, uh, what matters at the end? At the end, there's an end user who wants a service with a particular uh, factors, like, uh, like, an, uh, privacy enabled, like confidentiality of his data. And the answer is, uh, SGX for it. I hope that some future zero knowledge proofs will have enough speed to uh, perform some computations to be also used as a service for uh, remote computations, but for today, I think uh, they're doomed to uh, processing little data with a huge value.
0: That sort of answers the question, right? That it, there are certain use cases where even today these other paradigms, MPCs, FHEs, SNARKs, STARKs, would be more useful. But in what you've described here is that if you're doing like massive computation, they're just not fast enough.
1: Just speed-wise, they're in, in such different worlds. But you know the process. The development, the research, it progresses pretty quickly on on the crypto side. But even then, you're dealing with a separate problem, which is what graphing is trying to address, right? Like, how do you take an existing program and run that? There's no one even trying to think about that in the SNARK or FHE world, where... It's it's just not on the table at the moment. Like it doesn't exist. Uh, whereas taking an existing program, I mean, in Golem's case, if you want to, like the purpose of the platform is to sell general purpose computation. It's not to sell, you know, I have to spend six months writing my snark circuits uh, before being able <laughs> to do anything. Uh, so even if snarks were fast to compute like having that lead time to write your program as a snark circuit is already the showstopper. right you want to be able to take whatever our blender application and render something um, then you need to take that software off the shelf and be able to run it and so i guess with graphene that becomes a possibility and we in the crypto world it's not even you know considered at the moment so you know, maybe in a hundred years we'll be there, but we'll yeah. we'll see, I guess. Yeah,
0: That's interesting, yeah. I think that really helps to kind of pinpoint what Graphene's doing, too. I have another question about Graphene in general, which was like, we are using the Gollum use case here, but like, is it for all applications? Is it crypto-specific? Is it like, what's the... I'm imagining it's more SGX-specific.
3: I guess your questions would be about, you know, what kind of application you want to run and what kind of platform you want to run on top of it, right? SGX is one of the platforms we want to run, but we're target. We want to run different applications, different um more more different platform, and more different more different different kind of hardware. Yeah, of
0: course. different TEEs, basically.
3: Exactly, different TE will be uh, really good. I we will hope in the future we're running on ARM or running on AMD. That would be really awesome uh, for the application. I think you know it's it's hard to make every application run for sure. Of course, we try to be general purpose. But it's really hard to have all the application running, right? Crypto, of course, is definitely... Like, or any kind of like computati- computation-intensive workload will be a really good example, of course. There are things that are more I.O. intensive or more, uh, more administration kind of types. Things maybe we don't really have to... Run them on top of it. For example, you don't want to run uh, com- configuration panels inside uncle right? You don't have to. Yeah, there's there's a lot of application you don't want to run inside this environment.
1: I assume there's like some mm-hmm. relatively major restrictions, like you can't access the network and things like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, you could you could actually use SSIO, but you do have to uh, add protection to it. Usually, we, we call mm-hmm. it this behavior what we call shield shield because it b- is building some kind of protection to it is end to end protect your network payloads or end to end protect your, your disk. I see. Yeah.
0: My only last questions are a little bit about this like backdoor. And a lot of the cryptographers that we've spoken to would also that seems to be the one thing that very much worries them. The human factor. This idea of like somewhere there could be political pressure or some pressure put on a company or an organization to add a backdoor that nobody knows about and i wonder what you think of that like does that is that something that
2: you
1: is it a legitimate concern or is it overblown in your
2: opinion you are comparing it to zero knowledge proofs where it is a mathematical proof that uh, you cannot uh, read the data right because there is no backdoors and, uh, there is an, uh, an, opportunity for a manufacturer of the SGX or other T's to provide some uh, backdoors or uh, flows or anything like that for number of reasons, like political reasons, uh, internal politics reasons, uh, and uh, control or Anything like this, as far as I understand your question, right? Uh, your, your question boils boils down to uh, uh, why do you trust Intel? And um, the the answer is, uh, I, uh, I don't think that we are um, trusts Intel very very much. We, uh, I hope that. Uh, the Intel is very matured and uh, responsible company, and uh, they can uh, predict the, the the effect of providing any backdoors or anything like like this in their, their products. But uh, looking for the future, right? Maybe there will be more uh, TEs on the market, and the competition will uh, change the the whole the whole technology. How we look at it how we uh, employ it how we are using it uh, what are the our expectation to this to this technologies right as you said in this space human factor uh, plays very very strong role and uh, of course many things can happen if it if it is happening right now or uh, if it will happen in the future actually i don't know I don't know. All I know, uh, we are developing very, very good technology, despite any flaws of uh, hardware solutions, right? And uh, we are developing uh, quite good solution for users, for uh, developers, for companies who would like to develop applications and provide services uh, based on the confidentiality, privacy, and and uh, Anything connected with this to uh, vehicle uh, end users. Uh, I think uh, that is our our position for uh, for this 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 aspect of the of the HJX and TS in general.
3: What do you think, Cheche? I guess I will kind of sort of say it's kind of okay. Okay, this is my reason. Um, so, so like I said earlier, you know, if you are doing a different approach, you basically face different challenges. So, if you are going with a, a Approach of securing by engineering, you're basically facing like you need to make sure everything was done properly from from design to manufacturing to shipping to what we call supply chain problem to to selling them to people installing them everything uh, you need, wanted it to be completely secure and of course there's gonna be there's gonna be doubt about is if, if we can actually make sure all these steps. Are taken properly so there are these kind of issues for example last year there's the the, the bloomberg reports about this big hack about their oh, their chipping injectors so of course it's uh, i don't think there's a hard evidence of that yet but you know it's, technically this is something that's feasible right so of course uh from the perspective we do want to have this process to be all, more open we want to make it transparent to see you know how how are these chips being manufactured how are they being shipped where are they where have they come from like it's we want to know this information before we actually run any secret on top of it but in general i would say maybe actually if I, my perspective i think for a lot of either software vendor or service vendor it's acceptable because you know, economy, from the economy perspective, they could understand, like, how do you secure a manufacturing process? Or how do you secure a shipping process? How do you secure, secure the supply chain problem? It might be actually easier to understand than the way that crypto work or zero-knowledge proof work or, or multi-party computing work, you know. So somehow it's, it's, it's necessary. of course, there is the risk of it, but this is a the risk they can control, they can understand and they could minimize And so somehow that's why this turned out to be a more optimal or so ideal approach for the industry. That's what I believe so.
1: I feel like there's two things to think about here, or like two arguments to make here. One is Intel has more at stake than I do, Absolutely. which is true for most cases. Like if Intel gets corrupted and, and fucks things up, they will lose more than I will. And so it's okay. And I think that's a fine argument, actually, um, up to a certain limit. Like at some point, like if we're talking about the entire Bitcoin blockchain in 50 years from now, then maybe that isn't the case. But who knows? The other argument is we can actually make this better. So SGX is where it is right now. You have to trust Intel. But if they open up more, or if a competitor comes onto the market, is more open. There's things to mitigate that risk, right?
2: Yeah, it is a very good point because if we uh, look how many users is using SGX and TE's uh, right now, if they're using it directly or indirectly, we should say that we are on a very early stage. Right. Anna said something about uh, open source and uh, I liked it and I remember it because open source comparing to a closed source is, is very well tested because it is, has lots of users and, it, and the code is open for reviews and uh, SGX, there are very few users. Uh, some uh, developers, but I think the TEs in general are uh, are the future for many services, for many applications, and uh, with the time, uh, it will be more and more solutions, better and better tested, and uh, the whole landscape of TEs will change.
0: Maybe they'll be more and more open too. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, going kind of covering this landscape with us and sharing kind of how you guys got into it why you're doing what you're doing and the ins and outs of the TEE world yeah this is really really informative so thank you
3: yeah thank you yeah thank you for having us
0: and to our listeners thanks for listening
1: thanks for listening